This is the Mooncast. First of all, where are you from originally? I'm from Italy. Oh, from Italy originally. Okay, okay. One of my best friends is from Italy originally. Yeah, yeah but I moved to El Salvador from Florida. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so, I was I was living in Florida before you, moving here. You, you. Okay, okay, okay. What were you doing there? Just like working or like? Yeah, no, my family, my wife and kids ah. are from there. So. Okay. Okay. Nice, I ended nice, up man. there like nine years ago. Okay. Okay. Wait. So you've been living in El Salvador for nine years? No, no, no. Sorry, in Florida. I was in Florida uh, nine years ago. I've been yeah, in El Salvador yeah. for twelve months. Ah, oh, for twelve months. Okay. Okay. And wh- why did you move to El Salvador? Like, what was the whole the whole idea behind that? So initially, we went to El Salvador to look for a plan B. Mm-hmm. There was the time that war started with uh, uh, Putin in Ukraine. Yeah. And I was living in Florida, North Florida, in uh, Jacksonville on the beach. And yeah. I used, we were living right next to a naval base. And yeah. we learned that uh, uh, naval bases are nuclear targets. So we decided to look for a plan B in case things would mm-hmm. escalate with the yeah. war. And we wanted to stay uh, as south as possible. We found out about El Salvador and Bitcoin and freedom and all this good stuff that are happening right now here. Mm-hmm. We came to visit to check it out, just to, to find a plan B in case we need to escape Florida. But then we just fell in love with the country, and we decided, okay, let's move there right now. What are what are we doing in Florida? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, man. And was it hard for you, like the the first, the beginning of just uh, immigrating over there? Like, how was that for you, the, the initial experience? So my wife and I, we have we are used to move a lot, so moving in itself was not the problem for us, but there is a little bit of a cultural shock coming from Florida here Mm -hmm. to El Salvador. Of course, it's still a third world country. It's developing. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, it's different than Florida. It's not as developed and and, uh, clean and everything. But I have to say that it's getting there because I've been here 12 months now and it's already a different country. Like... uh, yeah. It's, I can see the changes already after only one year that I've been here. So it's pretty impressive. Crazy, Man, that's yeah. the exponential growth, man. How would you say like the legalization of Bitcoin is legal tendered? Like how is that affecting the daily lives of the El Salvador, El Salvadorians? Like how is it affecting them? So as of now, the biggest impact that the Bitcoin law has brought to the country is I think... Two things mostly, Bitcoin tourism and Bitcoiners moving here into the country. So they bring capital, mm. which is good for the country. Yeah. And secondly, in some areas, people are learning more and more to use Bitcoin. So especially like the small shops on the street. Uh, and so they open uh, or there are also stores, for instance, in El Tunco or in El Zonte, and what happened is that when they use Bitcoin, when they accept a payment through Lightning instead of through a credit card, they save a lot in the fees. 
mm. you know, because here credit card fees or debit card fees is like three, four, five percent, even more sometimes. So yeah, yeah. With lining, yeah. they they reduce these fees dramatically. So that's definitely one benefit that business uh, uh, find here, and it's mm. probably one of the most uh, important way to, to motivate businesses about learning Bitcoin. Yeah. Would you say that they, the businesses prefer to get paid in lightning? Like, are they, do they have the infrastructure set up like with the wallets and everything? And are they all kind of ready to go? I know it's like, it's legal tender, so they have to kind of be ready to go, but are they okay. really? Yeah. No, they're not ready to go. So let's talk about that if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here is what, what's happening. So yes, the law is legal tender. So in theory, mm -hmm. business and people, must accept Bitcoin as a payment for whatever good and service, right? Mm -hmm. But I think because the government at that point understood that most people would not be ready for it, mm -hmm. uh, they were not uh, enforcing it. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that to help <clears throat> to help the small shops or small business owners and the, the plebs around the country, the government never really enforced it, the law. But mm -hmm. what happened is that uh, bigger businesses took advantage of it. So they uh, slowed down accepting or integrating Bitcoin, especially because it's it's all politics, you know? Yeah. Most big businesses here and monopolies here, they're not favorable to the current government. And so mm -hmm. associating Bitcoin with it was not uh, good for them. So they wanted to fight it or slow it down. Yes. That's kind and, of what happened here. Okay, but, so, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But now it's, I, I'm using Bitcoin in all the big shops and the big uh, retail stores and chain everywhere. So it's pretty mm -hmm. incredible to go to Pricemart or uh, Super Selecto, which are like, where are you from? Where are you in? Uh, well, I'm currently right now in Bulgaria, but I'm from the U.S., Okay, so you know Casco, for example. So, yeah, of course. Uh, Absolutely. There is yeah, Casco yeah. here or uh, Walmart or uh, like the local Publix. Uh, if you're from Florida, would be Super Selecto. And you can mm -hmm. pay in Bitcoin now and it works fine. Like it was not very smooth a few months ago, mm -hmm. but now they integrated Lightning. So, or the dollar store, I pay with Bitcoin. And such a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really amazing, man. And do you, do you think there's a little bit of an educational gap in regards to to because Lightning is is sort of, it's different from you know the regular Bitcoin you know having it on your ledger or something as well. So do you think there's a little bit of educational gap in understanding the Lightning Network from the Salvadorian citizens and how to actually facilitate the, the actual payment? So here is the thing. The good thing about uh, the Lightning wallets today is that they are so simple that mm. people don't really need to know what's happening behind the scene, you know? Like, yeah. uh, for like for instance, internet, uh, what was it? 30, 40 years ago was for gigs, you know? You needed to, how to connect uh, or... Uh, mm. It wasn't easy, it wasn't for everybody, you know? But today everybody mm -hmm. opened an app and it's online and downloads everything and find all sort of information online. So the same thing yeah. is happening with Bitcoin with this new aligning wallets that make everything easy and smooth and they do the hard work in the background and you just go around and buy or sell things uh, with Bitcoin and mm. on the Lightning Network because it's it's faster, the, the, cheap, the fees are cheaper and that's the, you know, the layer two solutions on top of layer one that is Bitcoin. 
And it's yes. funny because most people, a lot of Bitcoiners outside of El Salvador are not very familiar with Lightning. Yes. It's it's a total new world for them. And it mm -hmm. was a new world for me too, actually, when I got here. Now, what is Lightning? And you can pay instantaneously. It's mm -hmm. pretty impressive how it works. So. Is it is is lightning? It's denominated in Sats, correct? Instead of in, in actual... yeah, because usually in lightning you make small payments, you know, like from mm -hmm. a fraction of a dollar, you know, Sats. Yes. yes. To 10, 20, 50, 100, 200, 250 dollars, you know, mm -hmm. and so it's easier to to talk to use Sats as a measure. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. as a conversion rate of Bitcoin, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, the, the good thing, again, is that uh, you don't even need to know sets, how many sets you're sending, how many 0 0.000 Bitcoin you're sending, because the wallet mm -hmm. does everything for you. You just put the dollar amount. Mm -hmm. Super easy. Yeah, yeah. And would you say that, so it doesn't, it doesn't get affected from the volatility because it's, it's, would you say it's a little bit more centralized in that sense? Because um, so how, that's how, a good question. how's the technicalities in the back end kind of? So here is what happened. Uh, Bitcoin, yes, it is volatile as of now. So all the business that accept Bitcoin, they convert the Bitcoin into dollars right after. It is done automatically in whatever uh, software they use. Some people use the Chivo uh, wallet here for businesses. Some people use Athena point of sale services. Some people mm -hmm. use Strike. Uh, uh, what else? And all these, or the Bitcoin Beach wallet that now is Blink. And all this software lets you convert automatically in dollars when you receive this Bitcoin. Yeah. So you don't put yourself uh, in the hands of uh, Bitcoin inflation. Okay. Uh, sorry, not inflation, Bitcoin volatility. Okay. Okay. Un understood. Understood. And I know that they had this sort of like Bitcoin Academy, you know, from what I was researching. And so I don't know if you know any, any, anything about the implementation of that and how that actually works. Is it, part of the curriculum for students or how is it, or is it something separate? Is it a private institution? What is it exactly? So I think you're talking about uh, Mi Primer Bitcoin, which is a nonprofit yes. organization that provides uh, independent and impartial education about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, they are, they don't work in the school curriculum directly, but they go, mm -hmm. but uh, they go to high schools, for instance, and teach the kids there about Bitcoin. Mm. And Mi Premier Bitcoin is probably single-handedly the, the company that is uh, pushing hyper-Bitcoinization in El Salvador. Mm. They are training or teaching or orange peeling like thousands of people <laughs> every month. And yeah. they're getting faster and they're growing. And also their curriculum and their, uh, their methodology has become so good and now is being used in Guatemala, in Belize, in Honduras, in Costa Rica to teach, to teach Bitcoin in all these other countries in Central America. So there is this kind of a network effect that is happening also into Bitcoin education. And so many premier Bitcoin is like expanding everywhere in Latin America. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty incredible. And also, again, a lot of people don't know, a lot of Bitcoiners outside of El Salvador, they don't know about uh, premier Bitcoin. Yeah. Which is a shame because if you understand how important it is to reach hyper-Bitcoinization, <laughs> you should find out about them, uh, follow them and support them, donate to them. Yeah, 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 that's, it's very, very interesting, man. And 
Um, I wanted to ask you too, as well about the, what do you think the long, because you, you came, you said 12 months ago and you got to see sort of the economy start to shift, right? And can you talk a little bit more about that shift in what you saw from the moment that you arrived to where you are now currently in the shift and where do you th see things in the next three to five years? Okay. So the other day I was talking to, uh, another, uh, a neighbor, a neighbor of mine. Okay. He's from mm -hmm. Canada, uh, Tom. Yeah. I did an interview with him on my channel and uh, we're pretty popular. And so mm -hmm. we were thinking about, do you remember a few months ago, it was only us here, you know? Yeah. We live, for instance, we live in, uh, in the beach area. And at that time, there were already a lot of uh, expats here or Americans, European, Australian, Canadian. But today, literally all my neighbors... <laughs> are from New Zealand, from Australia, from Netherlands, from the United States, you know. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. crazy what's happening. So with all these uh, foreigners coming in, expats moving here, yeah. they're bringing with them also their capitals, their knowledge, their business knowledge, their entrepreneurship. So two things are happening is that in the past, people here would have to compete for jobs only with the Salvadorian elite. Okay, so there were few people, few families, few big businesses and monopolies offering jobs. So they had a lot of uh, uh, negotiation, negotiator, negotiation power when uh, you know uh, negotiating salaries or this kind of things. But now, what happened is that yes. There are a lot more people that are looking for help, for instance, with their house, you know, or uh, with the kids, babysitters, nanny, uh, people to cook for them. And at the same time, a lot of people come here and start businesses. So they offer mm -hmm. new jobs and new skills. So what I'm seeing is the process is a, it's a slow process. It's still going to take time. But it's very similar, I think, to what happened in the United States, where at the beginning was everybody was poor and there were fewer rich people. Yeah. What's happening right now here is kind of the same thing. We are building a middle class. Okay. While in the United States, they're destroying the middle class. Here, <laughs> it has been, uh, it has been built uh, like, and I'm seeing it. Mm -hmm. And so that together with another great thing that happened in the country where uh, the current government uh, declared war on gangs. Mm -hmm. What happened is that they arrested almost all the gang members here so now you can safely go out at night you don't have to worry that someone is going to murder you or kidnap you or rape you you know in mm -hmm. the past salvadorian have lived in lockdown pretty much their whole life because every time they yeah. step out of their house or the school they could be in trouble okay mm -hmm. not only that on top of that they don't have to pay this 30 percent extortion tax that everybody here was paying to the gangs so two things are happening all the expats that bring money and capital and businesses here, one. Two, all the business here and the locals don't have to pay any more this 30% uh, uh, gang extortion tax. Mm -hmm. So the country had pretty much a 30% uh, income uh, increase or a salary increase here. Mm -hmm. On top of that, there is another big phenomenon here, which is the diaspora. So I think in El Salvador, there are about 6 million people. And there are, I don't remember if one or two or more million Salvadorian that are outside of the country in the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. And 
the Salvadorian that escaped here, escaped either the civil war like 40 years ago or the gangs here about 20 years ago too recently, they want to come back to their country. But now yeah. they come with money, skills, knowledge. So they also come back, they build businesses, they bring capitals, they buy houses and real estate. They build houses, so they employ people, they, they have to hire people. And so all these forces together are building this economy. And in my opinion, in two to five to 10 years, this is going to be a very, very different country. It's going to be a very rich and wealthy country. On top of that, El Salvador holds in his treasury Bitcoin mm -hmm. that is now going to be debased by the U.S. government. But actually, the more the U.S. government prints money, the more uh, the value of Bitcoin goes up. So there are all these catalysts here. And in my opinion, like El Salvador is just ready to blow up big time. As soon as there is a bull run in Bitcoin, I cannot even imagine what's going to happen to this country. And you see, like I've been here 12 months and I already see for instance, uh, you know, the roads are a little bit cleaner than they used to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, a lot of roads now have three lanes. Uh, mm -hmm. They are repainting the historical center. You know, I made, a, for instance, a very interesting. I made a video about the historical center of San Salvador. Mm -hmm. And I was there like, I don't know, 10 months ago. And yeah. you couldn't see anything. Because <laughs> it, was, it, it was dirty. It was messy. It was chaotic with yeah. cars. Uh, there were yeah. all these little stores, street vendors. So you could not enjoy the architecture or find mm -hmm. where to go to see the church or the, or the museum or these kind of things. I was there last month and uh, I was looking around, where am I? <laughs> it's a totally different place. And yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. the city center of San Salvador. Mm -hmm. So you see all these things changing in the country in real time. And it's just very refreshing, you know, yeah. for me, especially living from uh, uh, a country that right now is decaying and it's getting worse, you know, the United States or even Europe. Yeah, man, this is, you get me excited, man. You get me excited because I'm thinking to take a trip and sometime in Q1 next year. And I'm hoping I'm not going to be too late. But I did also have a question as well, too, in regards to because I know they have the presidential elections. Right. How does that work? Because we, we know Bukele is a, is a great leader. But mm -hmm. how long can he serve? And what do you think the, implica the implications of that would be once he leaves? Do you think the person that would take over would be good? How do you see the whole entire political landscape in the next three, four, five years? I don't know if it's every five years it can serve or every four years like in the States, but can you just walk me through that a little bit? Okay, so I'm going to give you my personal opinion on what's going to happen based on my experience right here, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So a lot of people ask me about Bukele. What do I think about Bukele? And my answer is that I, I try not to look at people, politicians, I don't look at their uh, actions. I don't look at their uh, uh, promises. To me, the only thing that matters is the results. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So you go around <laughs> the world and you see a lot of politicians promising these and that and all goodness that they're going to do. And mm. all the world is being destroyed right now. Every country is decaying. Like if you go to England at... Uh, <laughs> The knife attack rate is through the roof. 
all the mm. metropolis in the United States, they are like uh, dystopian uh, hellholes right now. It's crazy what's yeah. happening. If you go to Chicago, uh, uh, Silicon Valley, you know, in San Francisco, California, New York, it's hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I tend not to trust people, what they yeah. say. Or in the case of politicians, their actions, I try to t- uh, to look at the results. And as of now, the results of El Salvador, or the results that El Salvador is getting under all point of views, uh, economic, tourism, criminality, uh, education, all the things, they are improving, improving dramatically. A lot of Salvadorians that I talk to, they still cannot believe what's happening. And they are so scared that it's going to go back on how it was before mm-hmm. that they kind of stop themselves from being happy because they're worried <laughs> because they don't think this is going to last. So that's how bad El Salvador had it. Wow. It's crazy. It, it, it's, it, it's horrendous what was happening in this country to, to these people. And Salvadorian people are some of the nicest, kindest, most respectful people all over mm-hmm. the world. Okay, Just yeah. a beautiful population and culture. And so I think also because of Bitcoin, at some point, any politician here will be relevant. Mm-hmm. The faster but... the country ac- uh, accepts and adopts Bitcoin on a large scale, mm-hmm. the more irrelevant politicians will be. Now, at the same time, the current government is working on reducing the government. So, mm-hmm. for instance, they have, uh, I don't know, I think like, it is a very small country geographically, and they have like 200 and over 250 different uh, counties. Now, in England, in uh, the States, I think there would be counties. And all these counties are there, not because they fulfill uh, a useful role, but just because this way <laughs> they can give jobs to friends and families, high school uh, friends, and boyfriends, and girlfriends, and nephew, you know? Mm-hmm. All these corruptions and uh, what is a despotism, I think it's called. And so the government is, is uh, Bukele right now is trying to pass laws to reduce all the bureaucracy and reduce the government. We don't need all these people not to do anything and just suck money out of the economy, out of the honest yeah. people that work for money, you know? Yeah. Which also, if you think about it, it's another thing that's going to help improve the economy, you know? Less money gets stolen by the politicians here, more money is mm-hmm. in the economy, more entrepreneurship, more things can be built and grow. Yeah. So uh, we just had another fourth uh, point to what's going to happen to the economy. <laughs> and so to me, you know, I try not to care too much or look too much about politics. Of course, in these times, we have to understand what is actually what going on in a country if you mm. want to move there or live there because you need to be careful. Yeah. But in my opinion, uh, to answer more in, more in detail to your question, uh, Bukele... Uh, will be uh, if he can be re-elected. That's what people ask a lot. So I think here in El Salvador, terms are five years long Mm -hmm. and you can only have uh, one turn at a time. You cannot have two consecutive terms. And I think next year is going to be the election here, you know, 2024. Mm -hmm. So people worry, okay, all these good things are happening because of uh, Bukele. What happened if Bukele gets kicked out of the government, doesn't get re-elected, or Bukele cannot be re-elected because it's in the constitution. Mm-hmm. 
here is my thought about that. Besides the fact that Bitcoin with time will make politicians and politics uh, uh, irrelevant here, is mm -hmm. that Bitcoin is just one, uh, sorry, uh, Bukele is just one person, right? Mm -hmm. And together with Bukele, there are all the Nuevas Ideas Party uh, people that have helped build this country, learning about Bitcoin and wanting to actually change the country for good. So I don't think anybody saying in his mind or honest will ever vote again here for somebody that doesn't come from the Nueva Ideas Party. Mm. You understand? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not about one man. It's about the country waking up and realizing, oh, wait a second. We can actually fix problem. We can actually have a decent, normal country and be free from violence, from extortion, from... Uh, all these horrific, horrific things that were happening in this country. Mm -hmm. And you know yeah. what's interesting about that? That is not only El Salvador, because all the country around El Salvador, countries even in Latin America, they're mm -hmm. watching very closely what's happening here. And people are waking up and say, wait a second. So you're telling me that if the government actually is not corrupted and what and, and if the government actually wants to fix things or improve the country, they can? So why yeah. is not happening in my country? Why is not happening in Belize, in Honduras, in uh, uh, in Bolivia, in Argentina? Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because a lot of politicians, especially in developing countries, are kind of worried about this uh, phenomena here because now they're going to be like on the line too, meaning, uh oh, people are waking up. <laughs> we actually have the power to do something. We are just screwing everybody over because of corruption, <laughs> because we yeah. get our money and we don't care about people. You know, it's just all mm. politics to me. It's just our theater. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it... let's see what's happening in El Salvador is important and encouraging, not only for El Salvador, but for all Latin America and for all the world. That's it. And that's yeah. why you outside of El Salvador, you see all this propaganda attacking El Salvador. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. You see all <laughs> these these things that then you leave here, you go out and say, What the fuck are they talking about on this? Yeah. Like what, where are they taking their information? Did they even come here to check it out? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Typical, typical stuff, man. Yeah, no, it's it's super, super fascinating for me too. And do you think that potentially during the next bull run? we would see a shift in more countries adopting Bitcoin as legal tender, specifically in Latin America, or do you think in other, other countries? What, do you, what is your theory about this? That's a very good question. Imagine yeah. this. El Salvador is achieving all this and promoting Bitcoin and teaching Bitcoin to people here mm -hmm. during a bear market. <laughs> Imagine how hard that is. Everybody mm -hmm. complains, oh, Bitcoin was uh, 60,000, now it's a 30. Uh, I'm afraid I lose, you know? But mm -hmm. we are doing it in a bear market. So imagine what happened when the bull market hits and now everybody, oh, what is this Bitcoin? Oh, let me see. Oh, maybe Bukele was right. Well, what is this Bitcoin again? And they start asking friends and family. And that's why me, Premier Bitcoin, which are a team of great people, I, I consult with them. I try to help them as much as I can. I'm just busy. They have a goal now to build a base of, I don't remember how many, uh, like very strong, hardcore Bitcoiners then when the bull market hits, all their family members and friends and community will go to them. They're going to have their minds open. Their antenna will be receptive and they're ready to mm -hmm. be 
thoroughly orange peel. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's why I think El Salvador will be on a 100% Bitcoin standard mm. in less than two years. Wow. I think. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's very interesting because we all know, I mean, if you're in the know and you're, you're part of the, the Bitcoin community and stuff, you know that there will be another bull run. We know the Bitcoin having, we understand the supply and demand. We understand the problems in macroeconomic environment of the CBDC being released in certain countries and yeah. currency instability and inflation and all these different types of things. So we know it's inevitable, but from to the outside world, I still feel like there's still an education gap and an infrastructure gap in, in regards to the onboarding process, right? Um, and I don't know how long it's gonna take. I don't even know, because if you look now, like if you see the situation now with Bitcoin at layer one, the settlement layer, you see the introduction of BRC20 tokens. I don't know if you've, if you've seen what's been going on. But, a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, so people have implemented uh, a way to inscribe tokens on the Bitcoin base layer, and now it's getting super expensive at the base layer. So people are gonna to need to adopt the Lightning Network and also use other layer two side chain scaling solutions as well to, you know, because people want to, you know, do DeFi and stuff like that on top of Bitcoin, you know, leveraging stacks and all these different types of layer twos. So my thing is, will the infrastructure be ready is my point. You know, will it be ready in time? Because right now in the bear market, Bitcoin gas fees are high at base layer. What does that look like in a few years? How are people going to transact at base layer if they don't understand, they're not knowledgeable about layer two and lightning network? What do you think about this? Okay, so to be honest with you, I'm not an expert in this topic, but yes. my my limited uh, understanding and my probably uh, non-relevant opinion on this is that I believe that humans develop solutions, especially when there is a need. When we are pushed to our limits or when we reach bottom is when we change with... Is, when we innovate, it's when we have breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. And then we go from there. So I think that the Lightning Network also is growing exponentially. On top mm -hmm. of that, there are other solutions. Uh, I think there is another protocol called Liquid. Yes, Liquid uh, Stacks, yeah. Something like that. Okay. I'm not an expert mm -hmm. on that, but I just yeah, hear yeah. these things when I spend some time on Twitter, you know? And mm -hmm. so in my opinion, is the infrastructure going to be ready? Maybe not. Probably not. Or maybe yes. I don't know. But even if it is not ready, we need to understand that why people are will get into Bitcoin. Okay. Because the truth is that most people at that point will get into Bitcoin for investing in Bitcoin to, or to multiply their money. So I think from my understanding, even if that happened, there should not have too big of an impact on the layer two, like Lightning. So people mm -hmm. here in El Salvador, people that use Bitcoin to transact, to buy stuff daily, I don't think they're going to be affected too much. But again, I'm not an expert, so I don't know. It's just my hybrid view with the, the little knowledge that I have about this topic specifically. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine, it's fine. We can, um, because I also wanted to ask you too and get into the new laws, like the taxes, mm -hmm. right? Can you just clarify, because 
from my understanding, there's no property tax, no tax on technological innovative tools or any kind of business that's tech related. Is this all correct? So the government just passed a law, I think one or two months ago, yes. where uh, technology and innovations won't be taxed. Uh, and I think that's at least for the next 15 years. Okay. So for instance, you see businesses like Strike or the Fold app moving headquarters here to El Salvador because mm-hmm. it's, the, it's a strategic move for them. If they pay less taxes or zero taxes in this case, they can grow their business better and faster. So mm-hmm. yes, you're correct. There's no taxes on uh, technology and innovation. You can come here with your tech business registered here and have a 0% tax rate. On top of that, they're building Bitcoin City. Bitcoin mm-hmm. City will be a special economic zone, which has not taxes. The only tax there will be, there would be a value added tax, if I remember well. Mm-hmm. So that also creates a lot of incentive for people and businesses to come here, to move here, bring capital. Mm-hmm. On top of that, my personal opinion is that in the future, El Salvador will become a 0% or a 1% tax country, you know, like... Uh, what is the Emirates, the Abu Dhabi, all these other cities? Yeah, countries. Dubai, Dubai. Dubai, yeah. Dubai, right, okay. Yeah. So I think the government, the, the current government is smart enough to understand that. So I don't know if you have read, for instance, the news about uh, safety in uh, Amos uh, uh, being an economic advisor for, I don't know if for the government here or for ASO Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Association. So... If you're familiar with the Bitcoin standard book or the fiat standard books or all safety books, you understand what kind of advices uh, El Salvador and businesses here will get from safety. Mm -hmm. So if you understand economic, if you understand economic, uh, Austrian economics uh, and all these uh, uh, related topics, you can understand how El Salvador will develop economically and will boom. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I don't know if that I, helps, I, sir, your question. It, 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 it does to an extent, yes. Um, but I also had to, I wanted to go take it a step further because there's going to be no tax on technological innovative companies. Does that also include cryptocurrency companies, which is separate from Bitcoin, but does that also include them too as well? You know, honestly, I don't know about that. I don't know what mm-hmm. are the details of the this law, but this law is not only made for Bitcoin businesses. Any kind mm-hmm. of uh, businesses related to innovation and technology will uh, mm-hmm. be able to take advantage of this uh, 0% tax rate. Okay. Okay. And also my next question too as well is if there's going to be 0% tax rate for the, the technological innovative companies, how are they subsidizing the, the public goods and services, you know, with less tech, tax revenue as a subsequent effect of, you know, okay. not being able to get it from the tech? Uh, that's a good question. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So why do you think there is going to be less tax revenue? Well, I'm, I'm assuming that okay. because the, the tech companies haven't come completely yet and the infrastructure isn't built and they're not producing as much as they should yet. I'm not saying that they they won't be able to in the next one to two to three years, but I'm saying as of now, 
I'm sure. Yeah. Let know, me give you a different angle. Yeah. You know, even if the business doesn't pay taxes, but if you start bringing here all these tech businesses, mm -hmm. how many capitals you bring here? How many offices will be need uh, will need to be rented? How many uh, people will get newer, different, better jobs and get paid more money? Mm -hmm. So what happened is that maybe the business directly is not paying taxes, but mm -hmm. all the people that are employed or the other businesses that are used by the tech business, they will have to pay taxes. So mm -hmm. tax that's how you actually grow tax revenue. Because what happened in countries is that when you overtax people or businesses, mm -hmm. people think and say, why am I staying here? Why I have to pay all these taxes when I can go somewhere else, yeah. pay less taxes and live better? So you actually lose tax revenue when you tax too much because people and businesses go to somewhere else. You know, yeah, yeah. they do jurisdictional uh, jurisdictional arbitrage. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, this makes me think about Apple that keeps its cash not in the United States; it keeps, uh, I think, in Ireland. Ireland, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Or you see a lot of businesses that uh, they don't uh, register in the United States. Maybe they register mm -hmm. in uh, in Singapore or in uh, in Dubai or in other countries yeah. for this reason. So, unfortunately, most politicians they come from first they are corrupt, and that's <laughs> uh, besides the, what the point I'm making. So let, let's take out the yeah. corrupt politicians. So let's take the, the one that maybe they want to do good, but they're a little dumb and ignorant and don't, don't really understand economics. And that's because when we go to school, we all get indoctrinated into Marxism and Kenyanism and all their flawed economics that doesn't work. Exactly. So we think that the state to make more money needs to tax more. Actually, it's the opposite. A state, if it wants to make more money, needs to tax less and bring in entrepreneurship. Okay? Because... Yes. If you overtax and then business leaves, you are left without money. Yeah. But if you tax less and you get a lot more business coming in, that's how you make more yeah. money. It's not only yeah. about the business or the government getting more money. It's also about improving the quality and the standard of life for the population in that geography. Because then yeah. us and our kids will have better job opportunities they will have better uh, entrepreneurial opportunities. They, they we will have better investment opportunities. And yes. so the whole country gets lifted up. Everybody gets richer, okay? Yes. How do you create poverty? You tax people and uh, tax people to yeah. death and share everything equally and through society and everybody's poor. Yeah. Nobody produces anymore because it's not worth it for a business, you know? Exactly, yeah. So yeah. that's why, you know, I understand where the question comes from, but it's because... In economics, we always need to think about the second and third and fourth order of effect of uh, uh, any action that people, businesses, or government takes. You know, and not think yeah. directly, oh, this business is not paying taxes, so the state makes less money. No, wait a second. If this business doesn't pay taxes, what also is happening? What else is triggering into the economics? Yeah, That's why I think this country, El Salvador, is going to blow up. <laughs> It's yeah. gonna, you know, a lot of people like to compare uh, El Salvador to Singapore for what's happening. I mm -hmm. think El Salvador will dwarf El Salvador, uh, Singapore economically, you know, mm -hmm. for two reasons. First, El Salvador also has some resources, which Singapore doesn't. 
Second, El Salvador has adopted uh, a sound money standard, has adopted Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. And, and this will bring, you know, all these other uh, positive effects to society that cannot mm. come from fiat money, from money that loses value. And because our money loses value, our dollars, our pounds, <clears throat> our euro loses value, we are forced either to work to death, mm -hmm. to do something that we hate because we need to pay the bills, or yeah. to gamble our money away in risk investments. Yes. But when we live in a society with some money, you know what happened? That there's going to be a prosperous society we're going to pick the job or the business that we want to do, something that we want to pursue. And because we don't have to learn investing, we don't have to risk our uh, money because we don't want to keep it in the bank losing value. Mm -hmm. We can just save it in Bitcoin and it will keep its value or grow uh, together with money printing. People can be happier. Yes. I don't want to learn investing. I hate investing. I had to learn it. You know? <laughs> That's yeah, the problem. Yeah. Most people... Don't want to should not learn investing like uh doctors yeah. teachers uh engineers uh coders uh, uh mechanics they should not learn investing unless they want to they, we are all forced because our money loses value because it gets mm -hmm. the base and printed out of existence by the government you know? yes yes it's it's definitely a ticking time bomb for sure and i think people don't understand the concept of it. And I totally agree with you with everything, with the Marxism and everything. Yeah, I was on board, but I want to just get your perspective on it for sure. But we're on the same page there as, as far as that goes. But with taxes, man, it's it's essentially you're getting taxed twice, right? Because you're getting taxed from the government and then they're also about, printing the money. And think about that. Tax. Twice, you get taxed 10 times, okay? So... They take payroll taxes from the employee, from mm -hmm. the employer, and then they tax you on your income. So you're taxed twice. And then they tax you when you go buy something and value added tax. They tax you another time. And then they tax you if you buy real estate. And then you buy real estate taxes. What the hell is going yeah. on? Are you yeah. really taxing? Why do you keep taxing me and taxing me? Ta tax me once, right? Exactly. Yeah. Think about it. That's awful. Like, and if you think about this, the Tax laws and systems in all the countries are always very complicated and convoluted. Yes. And in my opinion, they do it on purpose. So that yeah. the average person that needs to make hands meet, you know, that needs to pay the bills and try to spend some time with their kids when, when they have energy because they're working already two or three jobs because they cannot keep up, you know, talking about the mm -hmm. average person. Mm -hmm. They have no time to figure out what is going on? They don't realize, hey, I'm paying taxes 10 times. You already taxed me here. Why are you tax me here, dear, there, and there? You know, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. But most people don't have time to think about mm -hmm. it. More people don't want to, and they should not. We should live in a freer society mm -hmm. where we should not worry about these things. And yeah. they think this is being built right now here in El Salvador, you know, to plug yeah. it in <laughs> to yeah. what's happening. Yeah, I definitely feel like El Salvador is, for me personally, I, I see the trajectory that they're going and I consider them, you know how Switzerland is neutral? I kind mm -hmm. of compare it in that essence of neutrality for the future, where it's going to be like the safe haven where it's not going to be part of any war. Everyone's going to go there. 
Okay, you want to see another uh, something that I think is very interesting? Yeah. Let's imagine that Bitcoin fails everywhere in the world except in El Salvador. Okay? Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. imagine that Bitcoin, a sound money, money with a limited uh, quantity, like real scarcity, fails mm -hmm. everywhere but not in El Salvador and becomes El Salvador uh, legal currency here and money. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, and this is game theory. Think, think about what happened. You know how in the past people will would buy uh, to protect their wealth, uh, uh, the Switzerland, the, the Swiss francs or mm -hmm. gold or uh, investment in Switzerland and uh, mm -hmm. put their cash there, their gold in Swiss vaults, you know? Mm -hmm. Once people understand, investors, you know, smart money people understand, wait a second. There are all these countries in the world or currency are getting the base. Where do I put my money? Do I buy the Swiss mm -hmm. franc? Do I buy the euro? Do I buy the yen? Do I buy the dollar? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, wait a second. There is this little country that has Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin? And if, oh, Bitcoin. You're telling me that El Salvador cannot print more Bitcoin? You're telling me that El Salvador cannot debase Bitcoin? You know what? Let me put my cash reserves in, a, in Bitcoin in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. So even if Bitcoin doesn't get mass adopted, the value of Bitcoin... It's always going to grow. Think how crazy yeah. that is, just because one mm -hmm. country adopted it. Yeah. So to connect that to your uh, analogy that I agree with it, yeah. El Salvador I... is not only becoming like a new Singapore, it's also becoming like the new Switzerland, the new independent, neutral, sound money. You know, It was gold for Switzerland. Now it's not anymore. They, they, they print mm -hmm. their, their fiat and... That is done. Switzerland is done, unfortunately. That, that's yeah, yeah. You know, the new, yeah. El Salvador is also the new Switzerland, where people yes. will be able, businesses and investors will be able to protect their assets, keep mm. them anonymous if they want to, keep them yes. privacy on their investments. Yeah. You are in El Salvador, thanks to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So imagine yeah. all these things compounding, you know, in El Salvador, all these good incentives. But I don't know what's going to happen to El Salvador. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also have to follow up on this to even expound upon this thought. Because, you know, they're rolling out the central bank digital currencies, right? Mm -hmm. And so, in, in my opinion, if the U.S. has theirs, Europe has theirs, BRICS formulates another one. In regards to international trade, how do we, there's just too much counterparty risk at that point. Because am I going to trade with your programmable money and put that into my reserves? Or will I use a neutral form of money that's not controlled by anyone that's fully decentralized, that's self-sovereign? Is apolitical? It's apolitical. You know, so this is why I think that at a certain point, people are going to be too frightened for the other country to push a button and turn off their cash reserves because they're storing too much of their CBDC yep. in their cash reserves. And they can track every single thing you do and all your spending. So I think there's too much counterparty risk here with the international trade. And if you think about it, it has happened already, you know, with the war in Ukraine and the United States government, the Fed uh, uh, blocking the uh, swift access to Russia and seizing yes. the Russian oligarchs' uh, bank accounts mm -hmm. internationally, their yachts. So mm -hmm. this is happening already. Is there, mm -hmm. CBDC will just make it more, uh, more faster and it will make it more granular into the economy because they will put their... There's CBDC here, and we're going to be totally enslaved 
to what the yeah. government wants us to do or think or think mm -hmm. or say. And that's actually a good point. I never thought about that. That's going to work not only on a, a, micro, on a micro, yes, a micro level, but it also will work on a uh, macro, macro level. Scale. So mm -hmm. micro scale. Yeah. Very interesting mm -hmm. point. I didn't think about it. So yeah, that also goes to say that if the world, the whole planet has not learned that fiat money doesn't work and there is counterparty mm. risk, it loses value, it's destroying economies and the livelihood of people everywhere in the world. Mm. And then we have this little country, El Salvador, that is doing the complete opposite of what everybody's doing. Yeah. Where are people going to put their money? Where are they going to store their life energy you know because if you think about it money we can use it as a metaphor for our life energy because we need to work use our time and energy to produce this money to produce an abundance yeah. of it you know to to yeah. feed ourselves our kids to, to buy a roof on top, our, on top of our head and then also to enjoy life otherwise why we are work why we are working hard you know yeah. So yeah, instead I, of using CBD, right? Instead of using CBDC or all these other uh, uh, currency and fiat money, people will wake up and they will be forced to use Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, people ask me, "Okay, do you think everybody will wake up to Bitcoin and will realize what's happening and that they need Bitcoin?" I don't know. Probably not. You know, they say Bitcoin is for everyone, but it's not for anyone. Bitcoin is for anyone, but it's not for everyone because some people, they just sleep and they don't understand, yeah. you know, and was it, it's, yeah. I was going to say, was it, wasn't it Satoshi that said like, if you don't understand it now, you'll get it at the price you deserve. Oh, I, <laughs> or, I don't even, I don't know who, was Michael Saylor? Yeah, I, I can't remember I who it was. I don't remember, but yeah. everybody buys Bitcoin at the price they deserve. <laughs> and that's, it's sad. It's sad. And, and by price, you know, we're, we're speaking theoretical here, you know, because price is not just, you know, the, the dollar amount. It's also the pain and suffering that you could face. It's also the time that you lose. It's a, it's a subsequent effect of uh, basically a lot of different components, you know, when you speak about price, you know, mm -hmm. but it's very, very dangerous to not own even a few sats in my opinion, um, even just even just a thousand sats, you know, it's very dangerous not even to own that, you know, in my opinion, I think that you should at least allocate a small, even if it's just 0.00001% of your, because. So let me jump into that because, yeah. okay, so I don't give personal advice of any sort. I, yes, I used course, to, to, to invest through these things I hate. I hate investing. Yeah. Okay. So I don't advise anything. I just try to make people think. And to me, the most important thing that somebody can do is first to learn about Bitcoin. Yes. If you like podcasts, go for it. There's hundreds of uh, incredible podcasts about Bitcoin. If you like reading, there are some amazing books, you know, start from the Bitcoin standard. Mm -hmm. If you uh, like uh, watching, there's a lot of content on YouTube online for free that you can watch and learn about Bitcoin. If you like the business angle of Bitcoin, you go and search for, uh, you know, Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy and, and see what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. If you want to see on a macro scale on a country what Bitcoin would do, you come and check out El Salvador and see, oh, okay, look how El Salvador is changing thanks to Bitcoin and all the other incentives that Bitcoin is aligning. Yeah. So 
my advice would be to learn about Bitcoin and then to have your brain actually want you to be interested, you need to put a little bit of skin in the game, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. as an experiment for fun, not for investing, just check it out. What is this Bitcoin? Buy, buy a little bit. See what happens, yeah. you know? Have it there on a wallet here and then have it like, uh, I don't know, your wife or your husband or your kids or your mom or uh, your friends download a, another Bitcoin wallet and send this Bitcoin back and forth. And say, oh, cool. Nice. Pretty fast. And now if you have a friend or a family member that lives abroad on the other side of the world, just as an experiment, have them call, hey, download this Bitcoin wallet and then try to send some Bitcoin from, uh, from El Salvador to uh, London or to, uh, or to Italy or to the United States. Now yeah. start thinking, if I wanted to do that with my bank account, could I have mm -hmm. possibly done that? No, you could have not. Like, <laughs> and I'm not talking about large sums, like experiment how crazy it is, the ability to send 50 cents across the globe in instantaneously and paying mm -hmm. virtually zero fees on the Lightning Network. It, it is insane, okay? Yeah. And so slowly, slowly, the more you learn, ideally, the more you naturally will be inclined to buy more. The more you yeah. understand Bitcoin, the more you understand economics, the more you understand macroeconomics and macro politics and what energy, the more you understand energy, mm -hmm. the more you learn, you, the more you will buy Bitcoin and you will get to a point where you'll think, wait a second, why am I wasting time with any other assets? Like with my Tesla or Apple stocks, why am I wasting time with my real estate? You know, mm -hmm. depend on everybody's situation. But once you go super deep, uh, down the rabbit hole, the Bitcoin rabbit hole, you'll end up going 100% invested in Bitcoin or like 80% yeah. or a crazy amount. Yeah. But what do you think? Because you mentioned real estate. So would you say just, I'm just getting your opinion. This is not a yeah, yeah, financial advice. <laughs> but would you say real estate? Because I have an interesting theory that Bitcoin is kind of like a black hole and traded against any asset. I mean, if you look at the inverse relationship between the dollar and Bitcoin started here and then it crossed paths as the dollar just continues to decrease in value mm -hmm. and Bitcoin continues to go up in value. So there's an inverse correlation when traded against any asset over the course of time. Before you could buy a piece of bubblegum with Bitcoin, now you can buy a car with, with the Bitcoin and eventually mm -hmm. I think a house then eventually an island a, a, a country an island. eventually <laughs> you, you know because there's is a clear inverse correlation that no one can really argue right and if we if we know that to be true then in, in the theory or the conclusion we can draw is that when trade against real estate eventually you you'll lose if you buy real estate versus if you buy bitcoin but there is sort of the added value of having your own property and owning air quotations your own your own property until they confiscate it from you <laughs> because they don't like you or for whatever reason like they're doing now with the russians so what is your what is your theory i guess is, is overall with this assessment okay of real estate i so i used to be a real estate agent in florida <clears throat> i've been a real estate yeah. agent i work as an agent for a couple of years in florida mm -hmm. And I've seen from very, very, very crazy expensive real estate to more affordable one. Okay. I've seen like 40, 50 million dollars mansion there in Florida. Sheesh. Crazy. 
Who's paying so, for that? <laughs> <laughs> there are Crazy. people that can buy this kind of stuff. Anyway, yeah. so here is the thing. Real estate has been sold as a good investment to the masses, you know, the American dream. Mm-hmm. Because real estate has kept pace or grown in value, not because the house has become better, the house has mm-hmm. offered you more services, the house has, uh, has grown or anything. It's just because the government was bringing more money. Mm-hmm. Okay, So there were more money in uh uh, among the population to buy real estate. So the prices yes. would normally go up, you know? And yes. So real estate is a, a money pit, okay? Mm-hmm. Because when you buy a house, you have, first you need to buy, you need to pay taxes on it. Second, mm-hmm. you need to pay for um, fixing it up. You have to pay to, to take care of the house. And so it's very capital intensive, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Bitcoin will make people understand that real estate is not really an investment. Bitcoin doesn't really, uh, sorry, real estate is not really an investment. Real estate doesn't go up in value because it gets more valuable with time. You know, people say, oh, because it's it's scarce, the planet is finite. But it's not really, it's it's not really what happened. What yeah, happens yeah. is that real estate goes up in value only because the government prints money, or even better to understand, it's because the dollar or the euro or the yen, they lose, they all lose purchasing power. So that's why real estate yes. value you think is going up. Okay. Yes. Because the truth is that a lot of people have bought my house uh, 20 years ago for $100,000. Now is $400,000. i am a genius. I'm smart. Right. Yeah. You can shout off the house and then you can do two things. Go buy another house that is also $400,000, so you have not gained anything if you still need a house. <laughs> or two, use the cash to buy goods and services in society. And you also see that you're not really buying more stuff. You're buying the same stuff that you were buying 20 years ago or even less because of inflation. So mm-hmm. you have gained nothing from real estate. But, of course, we need a house to live, right? Yeah. yeah. So I personally like to see real estate as a service. Like, if it makes you feel uh, comfortable and confident and safe to own your house, to buy a house on it, uh, do it. I'm sure there is a reason to do that. Uh, yeah. uh, to me, personally, because of my lifestyle, my wife and I, we like the, the mobility and the flexibility. And mm-hmm. as you said, I'm always afraid that at some point the government knocks on my door and they want to confiscate my house <laughs> and I can do anything. Yeah. I cannot do anything about it. So yeah. people have the illusions of owning real estate. Do you want to see who owns your house? Stop mm-hmm. paying taxes. You will see very <laughs> quickly who owns your house, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the reality of real estate. Now, to connect that to Bitcoin is that, uh, let, let me make a little, uh, uh, let me add a little something to that. When real estate becomes really scarce, then it goes up in value. And then we see actually outpacing inflation. And that happens in locations that are highly, highly, highly desirable, like Mm -hmm. uh, uh, beach houses on the coast, you know, Florida, Mm -hmm. Miami. Okay, then, yes, it's outpacing. And then you can consider an investment. Mm -hmm. 
the same thing will happen in El Salvador. A lot of people are coming here. It's a limited uh, supply. There's going to be a huge demand for real estate here. Mm -hmm. Builders probably won't keep up, so the price will go up, right? But yeah. in my opinion, we'll get to a point that real estate will be uh, valued not in dollars, but in Bitcoin. So mm. at that point, it will be very, very clear that unless you bought a piece of real estate in an extremely exclusive geographic area, for any reason, it can be the government or it can be a special climate that you like or enjoy, or it can produce something very unique, like, I don't know, uh, hot uh, thermal bath or, uh, you know, something very specific, you mm -hmm. will see that all other real estate won't keep up uh, with the value of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, or we'll keep going up together with the value of Bitcoin because if the government are still printing fiat money, Bitcoin will keep going up. So yes. it's just, you understand the same thing applies. Yes. Mm -hmm. So at some point when we start thinking, because now we are programmed to think uh, in dollars, if you're from the United States, if you're from Europe, yes. your brain thinks and value things, everything around in, uh, in euros now. Your, thing, your brain thinks, so how many euros is this one? How many dollars is this one? Mm -hmm. We'll get to a point that we'll think in Bitcoin or SATs, so how many SATs is this phone? Mm -hmm. And so you'll see that real estate that we thought to be an investment or to appreciate with time, it's not really appreciate. It's just the dollar that you buy real estate with is losing value. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very very interesting one too as well because I I kind of tend to lean towards your way of thought, but a part of me just kind of wants to own a few homes just so I can get income from them. But, but then, then you are not buying a house; you are buying a business, and that's fine. Okay. Now it's different. Okay. okay. Yes. If you yes. want to buy a business, if you like real estate as a business, because for any reason yes it's a great business go for it you know try you need a okay. lot it's capital intensive you're gonna have to understand a little bit of constructions and restructuring and uh, uh yeah. dealing with uh, tenants and contracts but can be a great mm. business like any other business so yes if you see real estate as a business it's a totally completely different uh, topic i'm thinking about real estate as uh, an investment but if you buy a house house is not an investment house actually takes money out of you so a house is mm. a luxury and it's a needed one Okay, depending yeah. on what kind of house you buy or yeah, you want yeah. to own. So, but yeah, yeah as a business, I agree.